Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 33, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I'm the show's producer, Gina. For today's episode, we unfortunately don't have our usual co-host, uh, Tazzy, um, but uh, we, she's doing okay. She'll be back for the next episode. Uh, so I'm going to kind of try and pick up the, the segments that she, she usually does, and we will see how that goes. Um, to help pick up uh, the load, I've got a bunch of guests with me. We basically, because this is a gaming roundtable podcast, uh, we just like cast the net out into the industry, and whoever is unable to escape we bring them on the show. That is how <laughs> it works. So for uh, for this show, we have uh, Imogen, who is here for the first time. Welcome, Imogen. Hello, I am delighted to be here. Cool. You know, I should get your full name, Imogen Mella. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Imogen Mella. Yeah, yeah let, um... me, let me do that properly. <laughs> Imogen Mella on our show. Welcome. Well, I, yeah, delighted to be here still. First name or full name or whatnot. <laughs> cool. Um, and returning to the show, uh, I believe for a hat trick uh, of episodes is Gary Swaby. Gary, hello. Hello. Good to be back again. Um, I always enjoy being on this podcast. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, thanks for joining. And I got your last name right. Is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, perfect. Because oh, yeah. I, I remember the first time you were on, I confidently butchered your name. I thought I had it right, <laughs> and I didn't. So, uh, and still deciding how to refer uh, to our next guest, I'm going to go with Trista Bites, aka Bex. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I answer to, to Bex, Trista, hey, you, that Muppet over there, whatever, really. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Oh, yeah, Glad to be back. Name. Yeah, there's that Muppet over there. I, 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 I respond to that too man <laughs> okay i'm gonna update the show notes with that in mind and um yeah uh so as always you can listen to and subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts, on spotify uh wherever you get your podcast from you can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myada.com or just uh throw them at us on social media at my matter on twitter at my matter tease on instagram uh, we're going to start with some happenings in the Maya Mada universe. Uh, so by the time this podcast comes out, um, I'm going to apologize, but I think by the time this comes out, most of you will have missed it. Anyway, we've got our first Gamepad online event happening on the 27th of June. So yeah, if you're listening to this before the event, you've still got time. Uh, if not, uh, sorry, but we will have uh, another event coming up. So Gamepad Online is our, um, as you can imagine, online video game event, which will be hosted by Tazzy. We are taking the Gamepad experience online for the first time because, you know, coronavirus. Uh, so the idea is we're going to be bringing together our communities to celebrate gaming culture. Uh, we're going to have a inter-community tournament. Uh, we're going to have videos and interviews uh, from uh, the video game industry. Uh, I've been talking with Gary. Uh, Gary's got some stuff, some advice um, for people interested in sort of media uh, in the game industry. Uh, so it's pretty much going to be a cool gaming watch party uh, for all ages. And then following the um, event, we're going to have a... I guess an after watch party. Uh, we're gonna try out this Netflix watch party app 
and do a group Scott Pilgrim watch. Uh, and then we're going to invite a couple guests on our podcast to talk about film uh, as we do. So that will be the event. And the watch party is on the 27th, uh, which is a Saturday. And the next podcast recording will be on the 29th. So if you're around for that, please join us for both. Uh, and again, if you're listening to this after uh, the 27th, uh, don't worry, we'll have more stuff uh, in store for you. Uh, all right, so that's enough of my amount of stuff. Uh, we're going to go into what everyone has been playing. Uh, so this is where we give our sort of not-so-spoilery talk on the video games that we are playing uh, and as usual we are going to start with our guests so Imogen let us know what have you been playing recently all right so uh recently I actually started streaming a month and a half ago or so and I sort of um at first when you're streaming you don't really want to be playing stuff that has a lot of you know um silence so I picked up uh, playing The Witcher 3 for the first time which is sort of massive. It's a massive game, and it's already like one of my favorite games. Haven't finished it yet. Um, I, I sort of picked it up because also I really enjoyed the TV show. That was, I, I love how um, unapologetic it is in being really weird, very strange, um, very camp in the way it represents uh, medieval like traditions and stuff like that. Um, but I've also picked up uh, playing Assassin's Creed Origins, and I've been playing a lot of Valorant too. So a variety, a variety of games to be getting on with. Yeah, you're getting a lot packed in there. <laughs> As, uh, what are you thinking of uh, Valorant? Because that's brand new, right? Yeah, actually, my review of it went up on Friday. So my, my, it, it was all positive for the most part. Um, I think Riot did a really good job taking parts of other games and sort of frankensteining it into a really <laughs> successful game um i'm a massive fan of something like overwatch overwatch is a big multiplayer game for me that i've spent a lot of time in um and you can definitely see the influences of um overwatch in something like valorant um but you can also see of course csgo um and you can you could basically see a variety of themes um, and genres coming together to make something that is genuinely good but it's hard to give uh, Valorant, for me at least, a perfect rating because it's not many of Riot's own original ideas, you know? It's, um, it, it, it's hard to give a game that is so um, made up of other, um, other components a, a perfect rating. So I gave it an 8. But yeah, it's a really good game. I, I do recommend it, and it's free. <laughs> mm, can't beat that. Can't beat free. Yeah, can't, can't, can't beat free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That is cool. Uh, all right, Gary, let us know what have you been playing recently? Uh, yeah, so um, actually, uh, Imogen just mentioned it, but I've been playing Overwatch um, quite a lot. Uh, well, I've been playing it since it came out like four years ago, and I've kind of played it nonstop. Um, and I just absolutely love the game. Um, and I've also been playing Persona 4 Golden, which is um, a JRPG which just came out on the PC, um, I believe, a week ago. But um, I actually got sent the game a bit early because um, I was review reviewing it for the Coalition. So um, I'm still kind of playing that. It's a very fun game. Um, I still need to play Persona 5 uh, Royal. So um, I'm just going to like run through Persona 4 Golden again, and then I'll get into uh, Persona 5 Royal after that. 
but um yeah if, these if you are like love... time intensive games oh very <laughs> very much so very much so i i remember playing the original persona 5 for about like three three to four months or something um yeah so wow. yeah very very lengthy games but but very much worth it okay nice uh gina have you been playing anything yeah i've been playing dead island i don't know why because it's so old and yeah you sounded really guilty about you yeah. said that <laughs> It's, like, not even good, like, in the sliders. Like, we were talking about earlier, obviously, that the trailer was, like, amazing, and then the game just does not live up to that at all. It's just so, like, poorly optimized, and, like, I, my internet physically can't handle it. Like, it shuts the whole internet off if I try and even open the game. So it's just a really badly optimized game. But it was it's, a, like, up to four players. So me and my friends are like, let's just give it a go, because we, we just finished borderlands 3 so we're like we need something else to play now and for some reason we picked that because we all had it because it was like 50p or whatever at the time and like it's i just basically kind of just want to finish it that's the only reason i'm playing it really wow <laughs> this is not a good review <laughs> yeah like i think it's funny like there's a character called sambi and i just i think he's kind of funny that's about where it ends with the characters, like, there's not really a whole lot of development or anything. I kind of want to see what happens at the end of the game. And that's about it. But, like, every time I suggest playing it now, because we still haven't finished it, my friends are like, yeah, but we could play this instead. And they'll pick something, like, completely different. Because nobody really wants to play it. So everyone's just suffering through this experience. Yeah, just for the sake of finishing a game. <laughs> Because I hate starting games and not finishing them. I have a really bad habit of doing it. So I think the only reason I'm pushing to play it is because I just want it finished. Fair enough. I <laughs> admire that on some level. Um, <laughs> and it, it does have... Dead Island has one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Um, I've never played the game, so in my mind, it's you fantastic. You don't need to. Yeah, so I'm just gonna... Yeah, it's, it's the water world of games, you know? It oh, had wow. the trailer... <laughs> And uh, it should have won an award for the trailer, the same as Waterworld did for its trailer, because that was the uh, yeah the best like clickbait ever. <laughs> was that Kevin Costner? Waterworld? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. The trailer nice. won an award because it managed to make such an amazing trailer out of a film that was decidedly average. <laughs> Man, okay, that is. I have to go back and watch that trailer now. Um, so I have been playing The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, so I, I'm not going to obviously give any spoilers because, you know... Thank God, uh, don't, don't yeah. spoil. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Mostly I've only played like the first couple hours, but um, yeah, also I just wouldn't do that. But yeah, it was it was crazy for me to see when you know, things were leaking and one, that people would, you know, just look at it if you're interested in playing them and two, that they would then go and spoil it for other people. I've understood that but uh yeah so I, i've played the first yeah couple hours which is kind of um yeah more or less the introduction so you know there's nothing too much to say except for i just really like this game and it feels like it it is gonna i don't know if it's gonna sound bad but it feels like you're playing a story uh and i mean that in a, in a good way because i'm very much uh one for sort of story narrative driven game so i really really like that um but i just like the way they've managed to bring in so much uh narrative into gaming elements and and mix that i think 
uh, yeah, they're just really good at that and had an amazing time with the first game. So, uh, yeah, I might, you know, as time goes and update my thoughts on The Last of Us and obviously without doing any uh, spoilers because there's a whole thing about that. Uh, has anyone uh, interested in getting The Last of Us or has played the first one? Oh, yeah. I, I'll I be... haven't played the first one yet, so... Oh. Yeah, I, I might the be first. the same boat. I haven't played the first one yet really? either. Wow, I should have made that a prerequisite for coming on the show. Is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you found the I... only two people in the world that haven't played the <laughs> first no, one. I'm, yeah. I'm, such a, I'm such a wuss when it comes to horror. Same. But, uh, but it's worst. not... So, uh, so if Tazzy was uh, on this show, because she says the same, um, but she played it anyway. And I'd say it's not really a horror game. Like the the first yeah. one, The Last of Us, it's it's more survival. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it's not. I, I don't want to say too much because I, you know, you should experience it. But it's necessarily an out and out, just like jump scare horror game. It, it's, yeah, it's like slow build, atmospheric, cinematic survival, stealth mostly, isn't it? Yeah, when very much so. I can't play horror games like at all. Like Fallout Three used to scare me, but I managed to play The Last of Us, so I don't. I don't personally think it's too scary, to be honest. I, I, I definitely think. I definitely think I should. But hold on, when did The Last of Us come out? I'm just having a look. Ooh, what like 2013. Year? But to yeah, be, let me just say, I I only played it like the beginning of this year, so don't don't let okay. that put you off. It, yeah. So it came out 2013. I was like 16 at the time. Okay. And we'll let that go. <laughs> probably for the so, best so like it, yeah I, I don't know I, I think at that point I wasn't super into the games oh I was into games but I wasn't into the game sphere and I didn't know this was, it was this must play game and then ever since you know it's just been something that just I haven't played I mm. need to play just I haven't gone back to it yeah okay well yeah you can add that to a list or bump it up wherever it, <laughs> it is right now so uh yeah so that's what oh actually uh, i should also mention i um we were talking before the show that i um finally got to gta 5 um being one of the few people oh yeah, yeah talking you about can't talk the party. about me <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> yeah it's a, yeah it's a good point let me I'm gonna edit this bit out where i just completely undermine <laughs> my previous point uh but yes it uh, i have started um gta 5 i'm like less time into it but once we do our gamepad event i'm going to dedicate more time over july uh to get into the game so yeah that is that is me uh so from there we're gonna yeah jump straight into our i didn't get to say any games Nigel. oh wow I've completely i didn't want to i'm trying to wait till you pause for a second to kind of be like dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> see and this is why uh i need a co-host uh Bex, <laughs> what have you been playing and sorry for missing you out completely I was just going to let you edit it so it didn't look like you did. But I was trying to be nice, Nigel. No, no, I put everything in in these shows. Oh, well, you tell me that. I'm going to have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I can see why you wanted to skip what I was playing there because I have been playing the one of the ultimate horror games um, in a act of pure pure masochism, basically voted for by my by my viewers over on Twitch. Um, they're making me play Alien Isolation a game I have been avoiding since before it even existed because it is exactly the sort of thing that terrifies me. And uh, much as I love the, you know, the alien world is beautiful, that the film, the first one especially, the cinematography is incredible, the use of light and shadow, the use of horror. It, it, it is a absolutely perfect example of how to create a film of, of that type. Um, and the idea of being in a game 
of that film is basically um, my my idea of hell. So, of course, that is exactly what my chat have decided I should play. Originally, it was going to be a one-off special stream. However, it turned out to be more popular than me being happy. So um, that's become a continuing thing now on Saturdays where um, I play Alien Isolation and people send jump scare noises at me. And... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, if you never hear me from me again on this podcast, people, just, just letting you know, if you never hear from me again, it's because I've had an actual heart attack because of alien isolation. It's, um, it's, it's very well put together for the most part, that game. I don't, you know, I'm assuming most people have played it, but I'm not going to give any spoilers. But for a lot of it, hugely atmospheric, very much like being inside an alien film and uh, slow build up to the point where you actually meet the alien. We've called the xenomorph Fluffy, which I thought would make it less threatening and is actually just making it very surreal as I'm screaming I'm going to be chased by Fluffy down a corridor. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got a lot of that build up and atmosphere and you're going through corridors. And, and I don't like horror and I don't like stealth games. I like games where everything is sold by a rocket launcher normally, you know. And, it's um, safer that way. It just it's safer and that's also generally always been my I mean I'm a serious Sam person, I'm a Quake 3 Arena person. Subtle is not my watchword. And I'm I'm actually getting into this now. It's like the third time I'm playing it, you know, and I'm actually getting into it. The first time, supposed to be a one-off one-off stream of it. I ended up playing till half two in the morning because I got stuck on a bit and annoyed and wanted to get through it. So I'm actually now quite kind of getting into it. Um despite the fact it epitomizes everything I don't like in gaming. Huh. This story has a happy ending. So we're getting there, and it's proving yeah. to be one of the most popular streams I do because me screaming in terror um, is apparently more entertaining than um, than anything else I can do, which involves me smiling. Yeah. The um, chat. Yeah, you know, I like I like talking about movies and comic books and and, and indie games and retro and and sharing my knowledge and and getting more knowledge from people and lovely discourse and a life's brightly lit room. No, what people want is me to be in a dimly lit room screaming occasionally. That's that's that tells something a lot about the viewers on Twitch. I tell you. Um, <laughs> So I've been playing that and um, generally being terrified. Other than that, I've been playing a bit of Metal Slug X because that's on Antstream because uh, that's an incredibly expensive game to buy otherwise. And also Story of Thought on the Mega Drive. So big mix there. Action RPG, bright and colourful. Metal Slug X, you know, bullet storm, run and gun shooter retro thing and um, running away from Fluffy the Xenomorph. You scared me away from, you scared me away from playing Alien. I will never play that game. I, I will I will cry. I will cry. <laughs> I just Yeah, I just... that that's that's why I'm playing it is because I said pretty much exactly that live on air. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that's mm -hmm. where it all started. So yeah, be wary about saying that because people will make you play the game. And it is uh yeah, apart from one bit where I was up against some humans and um it was just a badly bit of badly done bit of level design. And uh, instead of stealthing it, I tried to do it for 45 minutes. Then I just went and just basically run and gunned that bit, which I thought is not how you should best be able to solve a stealth game level. Um, uh, but for the apart from one bit, which I've heard from a lot of people is where they actually put the game down. Apart from that one bit, which I got very stuck on until I just opted to explode everything. Um, it's actually, yeah, it's a, it's a well done bit of atmospheric horror. I, someone told me the other day I'm on mission seven of 19, which sounds like a reject Borg name. Um, and I think I'm probably going to now play the whole thing, which is, it's just something I never thought would happen. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of warming to the game, so it could be you get to the end and it's like, 
you'll just be like, it's the most amazing game I ever played. Yeah, well, Maybe. I'm never sleeping again, so I guess I've got more time <laughs> to play it now. <laughs> and that too, that too. Um, so uh, before I move on, have I missed anyone out? There's no one else on this that I've everyone's we've got no, everyone's it's, game it's just me you don't like just yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that we're gonna move on um so we're gonna talk about the gaming industry right now and like we do with our sort of round table episodes uh, we take our pick of stories across video games uh, that are interesting to us and you yeah, to see what everyone thinks. So I'm going to throw out some topics and just see what people think of them. And I'm going to start with the next generation, specifically the PS5 reveal event. Uh, so did everyone watch the event live? Did anyone miss it or um, had to chop on it later? I watched it later, but I have did watch the whole thing through. Okay. All right. So then, yeah. So as you know, uh, PlayStation have finally uh, revealed their next generation uh, game type game console uh, titled, as you might expect, the PlayStation Five. Uh, so we got to see a whole bunch of uh, games and console itself. Uh, so I want to start by just looking at the event. Um, so like the the production um, of the event, because obviously we're in this time where you know, something would have been said at E3 um, and with E3 being cancelled, uh, sort of companies are having to adapt and, you know, show their games as part of this uh, summer infest uh, thing that's happening right now. Uh, so in terms of the actual event itself, what did you all think of it? Like, uh, so Bex, looking back at it, what did you think about the event itself and how they printed uh, the next generation console? I think that... It was really, really business-like, the way they presented it. Like, they didn't seem to take into account that there was not a room full of people being hyped. They didn't really bring any hype to it. They were, it was all very straight-faced, business-like. It, to me, it felt like they were talking to their investors more than they were talking to their fans. And I think they needed to take into account a bit more that everyone's behind a screen in separate rooms and bring just a bit more a bit more hype to it. This is a massive, you know, important thing. There, there are thousands and thousands of people watching from their different screens. So um, although there was loads of awesome stuff in it, I kind of was watching them going like, they don't look that excited. And yeah, I feel that quite often with these things is they, they're so businesslike in their presentation of them that it often is the crowd bringing the hype. And without a crowd, they kind of needed to make it a little bit more fun on their end. Um, but it was still, you know, awesome to see uh, all of the new all of the new stuff and get the reveal okay that's an interesting point but like yeah the, the start of the presentation what did everyone else think yeah um i i do agree that there's nothing like a live audience when you know sony's um presenting like a new console or something but um given the situation we're in i think it was uh what they did was pretty good compared to other streams that we've seen because um, I recall in the Microsoft one, they were basically just in a in a Zoom chat, and there wasn't like much production value behind it. Like it's just developers talking in Zoom and stuff like that. Um, so at least Sony uh, put in the effort to kind of make it feel professional. Uh, they mm -hmm. had like their own graphics. They had uh, 
the PS5 interface in there, like the UI and stuff. And then they had they had all those fancy graphics in the build up to actually showing the console. So um, I think they did a good job production wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And as someone who, I mean, I wasn't personally covering it because it wasn't sort of my shift. But as someone who had to pay attention in a professional um, in a professional capacity for the entire thing, it was nice not having a crowd. My God, does a crowd get uh, a little bit annoying when you're trying to watch E3 and the, like it's just um, sometimes fans just screaming over the announcements when you're just trying to focus on what's being said in front of you. <laughs> um, but I, I think they did as good of a job as I could have expected without sort of a like live hype. I mean, as someone who's played PS5 for a really long time, there was enough there that I didn't feel like I needed anyone to hype me up because I was like, I was there <laughs> in my bedroom screaming uh, as a ratchet and clank appear on a, on the screen, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it was, it, it was very professional, but I think that's what Sony's um, sort of, capacity is especially as they're sort of a japanese brand um i think that sort of like appeals to them a little bit more yeah i mean it, it did i get your point uh bex about just it was very delivered very straight face and yeah i thinking like for me i i kind of i guess i appreciate that because or at least what i appreciate is they they go to the games and that tends to be what sony do you know when they were at e3 and, and their quiz will come around and they just show game after game after game and just get to the point so i appreciate that yeah um, it was relentless with just here yeah, it's every yeah, game it's... bit of game footage you would want so <laughs> definitely from that from that regards yeah. they did they delivered they give um, the what they want yeah it, yeah it, maybe maybe i'm just being too critical and actually everyone just wanted the people to stop talking as quick as possible and go back to the trailers but i'm thinking like what what would it look like if if the companies did bring a bit more hype and I, I guess the would you consider like is there anyone do you seen the with this sort of current generation or previous e3 that has brought you know a, an adequate level of hype for you i think quite often they rely on the atmosphere they're in and mm. the the kind of like the the bouncing back off the crowd and not and i i do respect the idea that yeah having it without all of that shouting is very very useful for reporters and things it's almost like they need to put like a feed up online that's like clean audio just coming off the uh, the mics and and also have yeah. something with the audience for people as well because like i love seeing all the trailers and all of the you know they did have some lovely stings and and, and graphics and stuff going on there but I don't know. I guess it's partly because of yeah the international audience and trying to make sure it's as concise and and functional for for every um, for every country it's getting broadcast to. But I, I kind of I don't know. I kind of like to me it's like it's games. I wanted it to be a little bit more like a like a celebration and somebody smile. Um, <laughs> but true. I I don't know. Like I think that maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not mad at that. I think that that's something they could. Uh, I don't know if they will consider. Future, what it could um do and just bring that energy i, I you know as you're yeah, having a compare to kind of lead it through and say you know just just bring that energy then then the professional people could stay professional you know obviously the ceo has to present a certain um level of uh, professionality and, and things like that but um yeah having somebody comparing maybe and leading leading through i think could just make it especially when it's online and you don't have the crowd around you 
could make it more hype. But I guess at this point in time, most gaming fans are just chomping at the bit for the information that, yeah, maybe they're all bouncing around their rooms in excitement. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just, I I don't know, just just Um, too goth, just sitting there in my (laughs) my dark clothing, putting extra eyeliner on. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess, yeah, like you say, everyone's kind of just waiting for them to get to the games because uh, obviously that's kind of what people wanted to see. Uh, so did anyone have any particular standout games? Uh, I know uh, for me, the first thing that I just love to see was Spider-Man. Uh, I love the first game and you could have shown one game uh, and I'd be sold. So I was <laughs> I was on board within five minutes. Um, but there were a few games that, you know kind of stood out to me one of them was ratchet and clank and i've not played many of the games in the series but this one stood out to me because it kind of showed what i think sony had been talking about with the the whole ssd um technology mm-hmm. and sort of be able to you know be done with low times uh, and all that stuff and you kind of you saw that uh, the way they were able to like in game completely uh, jump from dimension to dimension instantly and from a like a technical perspective because I'm sort of former software engineer and uh, so like when I see things and I'm like oh how is that actually working yeah. and for them to be like loading completely different assets and just jumping from world to world was uh, really cool and I think it, it was a first sign of what is possible in terms of like the next gen and what about everyone else what did you think of Ratchet and Clank or can Did I just say that um, can, can we re-record my bit from earlier because I completely forgot I saw that trailer and I instantly just went and started Ratchet and Clank from the beginning again because <laughs> I love Ratchet and Clank so much and I was, I was like I don't need a PS5 I'm not going to get one and then as soon as I saw that trailer I was like well I better start saving then oh wow <laughs> I said that to myself it. yeah it's, I love Ratchet and Clank so much there's like I think there's 14 maybe more games in the series and I said to myself if I can replay them all I will allow myself to buy the PS5 so I can play the new one. Wait, no, you're not going to play the one on the PSP. Oh, no. Well, I've got them on <laughs> PS2. I literally had them on PSP and they was just so, like, I never finished either of them because they were so difficult and just so badly optimised. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm similarly in love with uh, Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank was my first console game, the first game that I ever owned, really. Um, and so yeah it's like it like Ratchet and Clank has a soft place in my heart and I think previously the names of the games were always sort of like a little bit euphemism-y and you know a little a little bit jokey like Up Your Arsenal is one of the one of the names of the games from like years ago um and I think it slowly pivoted away from sort of like that jokey that jokiness to being a little bit more child friendly in like uh in sort of the PS4 era um but I think what I do really like is that it was what is really considered a kids game that was really showing the audience and us as sort of like like the technicalities of what is possible with the PS5 it was really insane it was like sort of I I had this moment of oh my god I wish I was a kid now this is mm. this this looks beautiful the like the actual ability of the ps5 is being shown off with ratchet and clank and that's wild to me that's wild <laughs> yeah but then you say like you wish you were a kid but then you get the appreciation of seeing where it's come from to now whereas you know if you're a kid now and this is right. your first game you might appreciate the fact that you know how much progress has been 
True. I, I mean, I mean, there there is that, but I mean, eventually, how much is that worth compared to such high quality gaming your entire <laughs> life? You know, fair like, point. Like, <laughs> I I wasn't alive in the eighties, and I can see gaming then, and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> 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 that's uh, that, that's not that's not my place. But yeah, I, like I'm I, I I'm complete agreement with Ratchet and Clank being a big highlight. Miles Morales, uh, Spider Man was sort of a highlight, but then it got tarnished a little bit in the coming days when people were, well, when Sony or it was started to be reported that, um that it wasn't a full game um it was dlc and then no so sony came back saying no 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 no. it's sort of a bit like what um is lost legacy like uncharted lost legacy was to uncharted yeah. 4. um it, it's sort of a whole game in and of itself but um yeah you can you can buy it by itself but it's not like a full full game it's not massive yeah, no, I get that. I, I kind of expected that one sort just because of the time between the games. Um, mm. So I think just like logically, as I was looking, I was like, there's no way they've got a completely entire, like full game in that space. I, I only recently finished the last one. There's no way you just like developed a whole yeah. another game. Um, I kind of had my expectations about there. Um, but if it's a, you know, a solid time, solid like gaming experience for a good number of hours, then I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah, I think as long as it's a, a sensible price point for the fact it isn't a full new development, then I think that's fine. And that too. Miles is a very beloved, popular, upcoming character. And hopefully mm. if um, if that game does well, then maybe we'll see more stuff from him in future. Mm. I'd like to see like a Spider-Verse game where you just pull everyone in. You know, you could build it off the same engine and just bring in like all the different versions of 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 the spider spider people at this point in fact they're not all people are people, they no they used to get a spider pig yeah, yeah. spider spider beings brought <laughs> <laughs> into the same thing that could be awesome like i think mm. that hopefully that will pave the way for us seeing a lot more of those those characters given a given a platform mm-hmm. um ratchet and clank wise i've never played ratchet and clank <laughs> none of them so i've like i've missed like it looked beautiful and uh, from a technical perspective seeing that and going like oh that's just some pre-rendered scenes and people were like no that's actual load leveling like you know the, the leveling in the loading the levels and i was like okay that's uh that's a little bit impressive um that's a bit like at the point where technology becomes like magic so i was impressed by it but i don't have the same kind of emotional response to it because i am a child of the 80s so ratchet and clank wasn't my childhood sonic (laughs) one was my childhood so i don't have quite the emotional kind of response to it i guess um i think the standout ones for me um were things like i know i really like stray (laughs) For one, oh, the, the, cat, the game. cat game. Yeah, <laughs> that that speaks to me on so many levels. It's a cyberpunk future. It looks amazing. Mm. There's robots everywhere, and you're a cat. So that did they? Did you show <laughs> cat gameplay? So, so I don't think they've shown cat gameplay, but that game has been in development quite a long time, as mm. far as I'm aware. It's, it's I been think it's going to be multi-platform as well, that one, but it was nice to see it mm. in there. I, I like, love the idea of that game, like just mm-hmm. exploring the world as a cat. I love the fact yeah. that the, the PS5 launch event 
there was a game where you wander around as a delivery cat. I, was, <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Um, I'm also quite highly sold on the uh, Destruction All-Stars game, which is like a crazy destruction derby. It reminds me of a game which I think was just called Destruction, destruction derby. derby. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking the same. The is that just a continuation? Well, you can, it's, it's called Destruction All-Stars, but you can also get out the car and run around in it. So it's like... A, a whole extra level of stuff because you're going to be running around while everyone's in their cars and you can be just mm. a person running around and that as a multiplayer thing that has me utterly sold because it just made me have the, that that for me was just like just made me think of destruction derby and all the fun i had playing that game and that's i just looked at it and i was like that is pure unadulterated enjoyment and zero common sense which is right up my alley yeah <laughs> I, th- I think the big highlight for me um was probably uh death loop um oh yeah is, for sure yeah the 70s-esque um uh game that's coming out from arcane studios the same guys that made um uh Dishonored oh, Dishonored. One and two. yeah so it's sort it's sort of more fr- from the way that it was presented looks more like a running gun version of um of the Dishonored series. I didn't like Dishonored 1. I could tell it was a great game, but it just didn't appeal to me personally. And part of that reason was that I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to get it perfect. Um, because during that game, not really spoilers for a game that came out in, what, 2011, um, but as you go, there, there is sort of a good ending and bad ending, depending on how many people you kill and how stealthy you are versus how sort of like um, uh, sort of loud and proud and how many people you kill, right? And so with Deathloop, it looks like it's that game, but with that turned off. Um, and it's also the only game I could think of, uh, and, I, and I tweeted about this, and there were a lot of people that agreed with me, where the protagonist and antagonist are both black in any game I can think of. Um, yeah. and it's a trivial question. Easy one, but a trivial question nonetheless. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. It's it's an interesting concept. I mean, there and it's also where the characters just so happen to be black, and it's not a their, their race isn't about anything. It's just yeah, they're black. Yeah, they're, mm. they're, they're the characters. Um, and that, yeah, I do that appreciate really that because it's kind of like you know, there's it, there doesn't have to be a reason for them to be. They can just be yeah. black and then get on with the game. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah that, think, that's, uh, that's one of the things that I, I really look for in games where blackness isn't a character trait. It's just someone can be black and it, it, it sort of just be part, of, I mean, it could be part of the story, but it's not a stereotype and it's not like, again, within like the 90s, there was, you know, there were like um, very, like various Mr. T sort of ripoffs in games and stuff like that. <laughs> Or like the first games that really highlighted black people were only those with major amounts of violence in them um, due to them being actually uh, fighters uh, of the time that were in sort of wrestling or um, or boxing. So, mm. I mean, it, it does show that there's sort of like a shift away from stereotyping um, within games, which I'm very down for. And Deathloop really looked really good gameplay wise, too. Yeah. Okay. Mm. There was a, uh, a few other games that kind of stood out to me. Uh, one in particular, not not necessarily because I think I'd be interested in this game, although kind of we'll see, but uh, there's a game called, uh, I think, Goodbye Volcano High. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the one that looks a bit like a Flash animated cartoon. Yeah, yeah, and it, it stood out just because it's visual appeal. 
it it kind of made me think to a wider point what i liked about the, the presentation was that there was a variety of visual styles in uh in amongst the games so you weren't seeing mm -hmm. the same types of games you're seeing mm -hmm. like many different styles and different uh sort of uh, mechanics and this one stood out because it, it looked like you were playing a story uh, essentially and the visual styles kind of sort of a hand-drawn uh, yeah, thing Yeah, kind on. of playing a, a comic book kind of thing. The other one yeah. visually that I really liked was um, Solar Ash that's slated for 2021, mm -hmm. which had that um, sort of very stylized, blocky graphics and wasn't going for realism at all. And I thought that looked really, really gorgeous graphically mm -hmm. as well, just in its use of like flat color and simplicity and um and stylization as well yeah. so that was another one because i think there's a tendency when you have the level of hardware we're at now the level of ability to put in every single stray hair every freckle every everything and in some mm -hmm. ways that's wonderful but mm -hmm. i feel that sometimes game developers feel like that's what you have to do with your game so whenever i see mm -hmm. something that's going completely the other way and it says i want to use all that power but I want to make something that's far more abstract and, and comes at the, the graphical, like a, a much more sort of graphic, blocky or just different approach. That really appeals to me because sometimes they, those photorealistic movie style graphics, they, they work really well. You know, you look at stuff like, you know, the Horizon Zero Dawn series and and um, also uh, what was the other one by Square? Um, Project Athena. Project Athena. Yeah, that, that looks beautiful in a, in a realistic, style but seeing they were also presenting stuff that was very cartoony or was just straight up abstract like the the sailor ash one i thought was really cool as well and that gets me more interested in it because then i can see they're still very open to having a wider creative kind of diversity in in style as well not just everything trying to look like a movie yeah no, I totally agree. And I think that's why, sort of going back to Ratchet and Clank and uh, the SSD and, and why I quite like that focus. And even though, mm. you know, we saw one example, but I'm sure there are many other ways that can change games. And I'm interested in in that uh, sort of or more than sort of the visual, because you kind of, you expect the visual bump and the frame rates and, mm. and whatever. Um, but I'm interested in how you can make different types of games or how you can completely change dynamic of of the games we play and i think that combined with seeing sort of different visual styles just made me interested in what what can come on the uh, five or just next gen in general yeah. but i saw it on the, the playstation uh reveal it was interesting they had the odd world soulstorm as well still being like a 2d oh, yeah. platformer but just gorgeous because like retro yeah as someone who's you know born in 82 yeah. and, and grew up on 2d it's quite nice to see there's still a place for that style of game as well, just using yeah. the power to make it look absolutely phenomenally stunning. And um, I wasn't expecting another Oddworld game. I must have missed the uh, the post-it note sent around the office on that one because I doesn't, didn't know that was going to be in the mix, let alone as like a in, in the uh, in in the big reveal to have a to have an Oddworld game because the first one, especially, I absolutely loved. Mm. No, and um, that took me by surprise. Uh, so I, I, it took a for me to remember like oh well this was a this is a franchise uh way back when and so that that was definitely impressive so i think there were you know there's like i said there's a lot that was shown and i guess the thing that everyone was waiting for is to finally see the actual uh console which for a moment i thought weren't going to show uh, and then they did they dedicated sort of the last uh 
uh, moments of it to show any actual hardware. Uh, I pretty much got uh, two questions is, uh, <laughs> what did you think of the design? Um, and what do you think the price will be? Because they did not show or mention pricing. So anyone want to jump in on, on either of those? I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really cared too much about what, um, what consoles look like. I don't know. I've, I've never understood. Uh, people have this real fixation on, um, on what the consoles are going to look like. And I've never really taken much notice of it. I, I, I quite like it actually. I think, um, I think I prefer to have, I mean, I think the big thing with it is that it's massive. It's huge. You need some space to put, um, a PS5 now that we've real we know we realize, but also um, I sort of prefer it to look like something uh, rather than uh, the next Xbox, which sort of just looks like a toaster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just that on your it's shelf. Got less features than a toaster. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably it can't it can't even make my bread tastier. Um, so yeah, I, I I have never felt too much of that conversation about what it looks like i've just i've, I've just never really cared too much um but I, I don't know if that's just me or i've always cared more about what it can do than what it looks like yeah no i tend to agree with that um, i i like like that they've gone they've sort of gone and you know made a bold style yeah. choice and, and i appreciate that um but like i say you know you'll, you'll get it you'll put it somewhere and then you'll spend more time looking at the screen when you're playing it so yeah. it doesn't matter too much uh, except for the memes uh, that came out after the <laughs> after the, oh yeah, yeah it looks like a router yeah, router, yeah, yeah. it <laughs> does look like a router i'll give i'll yeah. give people that it does look a bit like a router yeah it looks like a skybox had an illicit love child with a wi-fi router and then put bunny ears <laughs> on it that's what it looks like <laughs> and, that's uh, one of the best descriptions i've ever Thank you. I was from a graphic design and product design background, um, so I, I, I had a lot to say <laughs> on this because I kind of just looked at it and I was like, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting no. that color scheme. I wasn't expecting it to have tiny little ears. That it just it looks like you know those um the headphones with the cat ears that light up. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like that. All the streamers wear them. It it just looks like yeah, a skybox and a Wi-Fi router had a teenage child and it's wearing those headphones. And I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying that's that's exactly <laughs> that's what, what it looks, it looks like. like. Um, I did color scheme. It's, yeah, they, they're doing an alternate color scheme, a darker one as well, I believe. Or is that just a rumor? I think I don't know if that's confirmed. Oh, I I don't know if that's confirmed. It's not I confirmed, but I no. think okay. I think they will. I, I can never tell what's just people's memes and Photoshop and what isn't now, because we've got to that point of there were so many memes, it was hard to discern the actual information from mm. anything else. But I think, I don't know, it, they, they, they put a lot, it, a lot of effort into the design. It's, it's very expensive looking, and I'm assuming the price is going to reflect how expensive it looks. I much prefer my consoles to lie down, not look like they need to stand up because it's better for the disk drives. Anything with a physical disk drive, it's better for it. And it, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be awkward to put on a shelf that one. So even though they've put a lot more effort in than Xbox that literally just drew a rectangle and then went home. um, I think I prefer the Xbox design because I can imagine with that Xbox, you're going to get a million different skins and custom versions loads of artwork on it which is some of the things i like i like custom consoles i have a gears of war 3 xbox uh, 360 and controller 
And I sort of looked at that PlayStation one and I was like, good luck making any themed customs or limited edition versions of that because it's, the it's style is covered style. in curves and lights yeah. and it's already got its bunny ears, you know. A, a Pikachu one probably is the only thing you could do with it, uh, which you obviously wouldn't really be allowed to do. And um, yeah, I was, yeah, I think, I think despite the fact it contains no design whatsoever, um, I prefer the Xbox just because I'm going to be able to cover it in stickers and I can put it however I want it. Yeah, that that's my thing with uh the PlayStation Five. I like I, I I actually don't mind the design itself that much, but I'm I'm just thinking about the practicability of it and like where I'm gonna put it. And mm. the thing is, like you you have to have like an actual stand just to lie it flat, and like that's a big deal because it's like it, it's gonna take up a lot more space, and the console looks big enough as it is. So it's um, huge. It looks like it ate all the other consoles. <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah my biggest concerns are you know how big it is and where i'm actually going to fit it um and you know the overall logistics of of the console and whether like it's got good uh heating like cooling and stuff like that um Mm. so so that's what i'm thinking about yeah and i think just by making it a box the xbox is you know, it's literally the Xbox is now a box and they've pretty much accepted what they're giving us is a small PC with a green light on it, which is kind of fine by me because it's going to be so much easier to store as well as personalize and decorate. And that when you see the picture of the PlayStation 5 next to like an existing PlayStation, you're like, I, I, yeah, OK, um, either I'm going to look like a pixie or that thing is a giant. That's going to be interesting to see. And I, I definitely hear you like uh, Microsoft have kind of in a way accepted that they are just like making a different pc and you know it's a box just take it um so i mean you know speaking of uh, accepting things i i feel like uh, for me and this is my uh, assumption i made when seeing the the reveal of uh, two different uh, console SKUs that it was an admission that this is going to be an expensive um console and they know it and i think the digital uh, digital only is there to give Sony the claim that our console starts from, let's say, four ninety nine, but one yeah. with the disc is five ninety nine. Whether it's dollars or pounds, I don't know how they're going to wait. But I think it's going to be an expensive console. Yeah, I think so too. Because um, I'm thinking about it from uh, you know the perspective of of a PC builder. Um, so like. Uh, the fact that they're putting so much emphasis on the SSD technology and it also has like its own unique audio technology as well. Um, all of that costs a lot of money, like especially the SSD. So um, I think like the, the if you're going to get the, um, the PS5 that has like the most capacity, I think it's going to be close to like 600 pounds, like 599 or something like that yeah um i think so look historically at like playstation it's like how did they win the console wars they just walked out and said how much their thing was going to cost right and this time they've like very quietly not mentioned it well it means something neither microsoft nor um nor playstation have really talked about price yeah but both of them um... in 2000 what happened with the ps3 was that um sony uh, Sony's was so much more expensive yeah, than Microsoft yeah. that it lost them that console war. That was that was the big thing. So I don't know if I, like it like historically knowing the 
knowing the background of where Sony went wrong in the past, I don't know how expensive it's going to be because you can a cheap SSD, a cheap SSD, what costs what, uh, probably like a hundred dollars, like a good cheap SSD, right? Or, or, or round about that. And it's going to be a higher end SSD um, if they're trying to achieve what we saw in videos. And it's just, I don't know where they're going to try and cut costs so that one, it, it, it does live up to the hype in a lot of ways, but it doesn't far exceed what they think that people are willing to pay for it. Yeah, that's an interesting, Ben, because the, what's in the box is expensive. And to yeah. make any kind of money, there's going to be, just from a business perspective, like surely there's going to be a, a flaw on how you know, far you can push that down. Um, yeah, also there's been that- some increasing on price on stuff recently with everything that's going on in the world currently, sourcing stuff and getting stuff made. These things have been increasing in price as they are, they are very high in demand. And I have read rumours, although they are unsubstantiated, that they were having some issues getting stuff at the costs that they originally wanted to and that that was also pushing the price up as well. And um, like maybe they don't quite know exactly what they're going to be able to sell it for based on... Do they go on the prices that components are costing them now or do they go on what they might cost them if things go back to normal? But again, that's I don't know if that's true or not, but I could see that that could definitely be a factor. And I don't know um, as well, like how big the hard drives are going to have to be on like a, you know, if you're going to have a digital only one with the size of the games, you're talking, you're not talking about a, a cheap SSD. You're going to have to go for the largest one of a very reliable quality that has the fastest loading times to do what they're doing. So I'm I'm expecting it to be the more expensive of the two. Yeah, mm. no, I, I'm, that's what I'm expecting. I think sort of, as I was saying, like the reason why they've got the two SKUs is to at least, you know, they can say, you know, it starts mm. from, so they can advertise a lower price. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And... I mean, so we saw the PlayStation um, sort of response to Xbox. So I just wanted to touch on the, the other consoles uh, in this next generation race being uh, like, say, Xbox. Do you feel, does this change anything for Xbox? Because I think we're seeing more and more, you know, it starts from the visual design and also in terms of their approach to games that Microsoft and Sony are going in quite different directions. I feel mm-hmm. uh, Xbox are, you know, leveraging the the, the uh, desktop operating system they have and the whole idea mm-hmm. of uh, Game Pass and smart delivery. So it's about, you know, you buy a game and you can play it wherever, whereas Sony are, feels like they're doubling down on, you know, the console experience. Um, mm-hmm. Although they might have a service uh, that they just haven't uh, announced yet. So how do, do you think this changed anything for Microsoft? Because they've got an event coming up in July. Uh, do they need to do anything in particular now, given what Sony have shown? I think if you are going to buy a console, there is a really good reason to buy a PlayStation over um, over an Xbox now. And I think Game Pass is that reason. Um, it's it's sort of a little bit shooting uh, Microsoft, you know, like themselves in the foot a little bit. Um, in my opinion, because you can sort of get what would be an Xbox exclusive on a PC now. And so if you have a decent enough PC, you don't really need uh, an Xbox to have an Xbox experience like a bunch of the time. And Xbox as it is, don't have many exclusives that people are sort of going after. There's Halo and there's Gears. 
and that's Forza, sort of, I guess. There's Forza. There is, there is Forza as well. But it, when it comes to thinking about what Sony has, like Sony's just having a massive success with The Last of Us Part Two. They've got the Spider-Man games. They've got Death Stranding. Um, they've got uh, Ratchet and Clank. I mean, I, I can list far more, like off the top of my head, exclusives that require a console for uh, PlayStation than I can for... Um, for Microsoft anymore, for for Xbox anymore. Yeah, they're kind of pushing the more the you know the backwards compatibility thing almost because they're having all the smart delivery stuff and all the games where you're going to be able to have an upgraded version on mm. on the Series X and stuff like that. And I think they're almost trying to say to people, hey, you can you can flog your existing Xbox and buy this one, and all the games you've got are going to look better. Mm. So they might not be able to offer you as much new and exclusive stuff, but I think they're trying to sort of edge in the direction of with a value-for-money option rather than the exclusive super hype version. I think that's almost reflected in the designs being that Xbox is a box, (laughs) and Sony are clearly going for, this is a sleek piece of modern art with bunny ears. Mm. Um, So I guess, yeah, that might be where they're kind of trying to, pitch themselves mm. it's not a bad strategy because so if you're microsoft and as long as you know as long as xbox isn't like costing you money because they don't want uh that but you know they if they've got people signing up to the subscription service and paying them you know uh, actually i don't know what it what it costs x amount uh, a month and that's a reliable income um i guess they they're looking to that and how can we get more people it's kind of like the netflix netflix model where we're reliably mm. expecting the amount a month and if we can scale that up um leveraging whichever platform that guy works mm. for them i don't know what it means for i guess the, the quality of their sort of first party games or the, the even the yeah. quantity of them but I've, i feel that's where they're going which is i wouldn't say it might not be for me necessarily but I wouldn't say it's a bad strategy to take. Yeah, well, looking at the amount of explosion of like indie games and stuff as well, like if they're going to be more available on Xbox, that could be another factor that bolsters the just the quantity of available games and stuff like that. And um, if they can win the kind of service model thing and make it a cheaper price to entry, then I, I it think just when it comes gets to two different things. Indie games, though. I think that if you're going to buy a console for indie games, at the moment it's Switch. Mm, yeah. They've really got that. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but they've got that really hammered home. They've got that so nailed in that the Switch is a really good place for indie games. And I, yeah. I mean, if, if I'm going to buy an indie game now, it's either going to be on my PC or it's going to be on my Switch. I will never, ever think about it for, um, for if I did have an Xbox. I wouldn't think about it for Xbox. I wouldn't think about it for PlayStation either. Yeah, it's weird because Nintendo used to be quite difficult to get your games mm. onto their platform. They were always so protective. And yeah. then with the Switch, they just went, nah, everyone. Yeah. And it just exploded. <laughs> and it yeah. works. And it's, um, it, ha- it has completely worked, yeah. So then I guess with the the, the other uh, contenders, um, the Switch, I think we've got a question coming up on the Switch already, but you've got, you know, them, uh, the one I'm interested in, because I, I feel, I think we said it on the last round table where everyone had one or the other playstation or um xbox but everyone had switch and i feel like in a way they're they're the winners because everyone's got a switch then that you know mm. that's the first console but, um the, the one i'm interested in is actually media 
uh, and whether Stadia <laughs> even make well, interested okay. in Stadia. Who says yeah, well, that? The only no, person. So that... Let me let me let me qualify. I'm not I'm not necessarily <laughs> interested. In, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm not interested in in getting Stadia. I'm just interested in whether that survives the ne- to the next generation. And from from that like no laugh, I, I'm guessing no. <laughs> I just. I, I think the model will survive, but I don't know if Stadia itself will mm-hmm. still be around. Like, okay. but, but I think that's where the industry is going. But um, mm-hmm. Stadia, um, I've heard like many different things. Like they're not, um, they're not supporting publishers. They're not um, giving mm-hmm. them enough money, t- money and royalties, mm-hmm. um, and and that sort of thing. So that's why their their service is kind of stagnant at the moment um because mm. they don't really have like there's no incentive for a gamer to subscribe to that service because there's so, yeah. so many other options out there mm-hmm. exactly if, so if microsoft can um can do what stadia is trying to do with with games pass though then mm-hmm. they could easily lead the way to mm-hmm. you know getting to that netflix game service type of thing for games yeah yeah i think microsoft is well placed to just pick that up because i was i was watching trailers for some new indie games and things um on the stream the other day and a stadia advert came up on the on a on a video and literally the whole of chat went is that still a thing yeah wow and i was like wow that's already people just had assumed it had folded they didn't even realize it was still an available service and kind of gives an idea just that you know obviously it's a fairly small group of people but everyone pretty much just agreed that they weren't expecting to see an advert for that because they thought that was already done and closed so yeah, i was like oh yeah you're not doing well an audience of gamers thought you'd already crashed and burned so i think it will be eaten up by other services i mean yeah you've got game pass on nintendo and uh, game pass on um, xbox and if you have a similar thing opened up on the switch especially with their indie library and stuff it would be gone in a day, wouldn't it? I mean, what I think the problem was for Stadia is that, uh, one, it assumed internet co- connectivity was the level that they would have it where they were developing it. Not true. It was slow for a lot of people in places that weren't as well funded. Um, then there was a lack of exclusivity. There was no game that you could get on Stadia that you sort of just couldn't really get anywhere else that if people wanted to be playing anywhere else. Um, it's just it was just a calamity a sort of of a release it was it's absolutely where I think games will eventually go uh, I mean eventually but I think the infrastructure for internet services needs to be better and I think that Microsoft uh, sorry Google needs to spend years having its own developers and publishers working on something behind the scenes that people want to see for the release otherwise it's just not going to it's, it's never going to take off and I think that either either Google has to sort of like shut it down, come back to it in a good five years, or that it's going to be picked up by someone else. Yeah. And I think as well with the advertising for Stadia, I looked at that advertising and I said, who is their target demographic? Who is this logo? Who is this system actually targeting? What the, What is the message they're trying to get across? And it just seemed like they didn't quite know what they were doing it felt like it was a beta at the point where it was launching its final product well that's very google yeah they just kind of throw ideas out there and see what sticks because they've got the money and the weight to do it and i think partly because they've got the money and the weight to do that nobody assumed the stadia was going to stick around and on a service-based model if they don't think you're going to stick around 
what's the point in joining in the first place? Whereas other streaming gaming services, like I'm, um, I use AntStream, which is a, a streaming gaming service for retro and arcade games. So specifically much older games, which take up a lot lower bandwidth. They've got thousands of these old games that now, because retro is really big, like would cost you an absolute fortune. Plus you'd need tons of hardware and the arcade games, you'd have to buy an arcade machine to play them. Um, so that, you know, as a very cheap price point as well. That makes sense because you can send those small games over even the smallest bandwidth. Like it works on mobile as well as PC and stuff. And that works because it has a very niche specific target audience. Whereas the Stadia was just like, does anyone want this? Let us know. I guess we'll carry on if, if you like it. Hmm. I'm going to have to get uh, get Lau, uh, my medical founder, um, on a future gaming show because he he has been on uh, a previous show saying how he fell out of games. Uh, but something like Stadia interested him and he he's actually been trying to get me to try out stadium for the past couple of months i haven't done it yet sorry lao um but i have the same thing as mentioned here like i don't know i've just got options i've got so many options i don't know why i would turn to that one i think that is the problem that uh google have as well as the reputation for them starting things and having no problems sort of cutting uh cutting projects and just moving on which makes it hard to invest in uh, a console service so i think ultimately i agree we are going in the direction and, and every iteration of this kind of uh feature i guess you know from a uh sort of wide uh, perspective gets better so i guess we're moving in that direction but this isn't this doesn't feel like it's it yet so yeah i think it's going to be a uh, a tough one for them. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, we've got a couple of uh, fewer stories, but before we started recording, there was some breaking news. So <laughs> uh, concerning the streaming world, now uh, at no no time do I claim to be any kind of knowledgeable about streaming. So I'm going to hand this this news of Imogen, um, who broke it on our pre-show. <laughs> so t- tell us what's happening. Well, I, I guess for context, uh, this will come out after everyone knows. But uh, as, we were, as we were starting uh, this conversation, um, just before we started recording, it was announced that Mixer is uh, no more, basically. On the 22nd of July, Mixer will be no more. Um, it will move um, existing partners over to Facebook Gaming. So um, Microsoft and, um, and Facebook will be coming together to... Um, I guess, support some of the partnerships that they've already made um, and not leave them out to dry. However, it does feel very much like they're being hung out to dry at the moment. Um, But basically, Mixer was made 2016 or so, um, and it has been Microsoft's sort of failing pet project of a live streaming service. And yeah, Twitch won. Twitch won. That's, Twitch that, won. That's, that's the news. The bottom line. <laughs> Twitch didn't notice Mixer was in the race. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think it's the problem. Twitch is so it's Twitch is like the Reddit of um of internet forums. It mm. looks like a mess. It may not be super. It may not be the best in some of the things it does, but it is so solidly the front runner as a as a streaming service. There's just there's almost no way to compete with it I, I i guess facebook gaming is now going to try and do that um but it's just there's almost no comparison there's no question mm. new streamers are almost always just going to pick twitch 
So yeah, I mean, it's to like be... there's a bar that everyone really likes and all your friends are there and all the new people yeah. that come to town go there and it's a bit of a mess and it could do with redecorating and they've kind of just yeah. gaffer taped the desks back together and stuff yeah. but all the people you know are there and their mix has opened up next door and it tried to be really shiny but they didn't actually put quite enough money in to make the decor of the bar that much mm. better and then they wondered why no one was there. That's sort of what mm. it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. I'm loving these analogies, by the way. It's Um, a shame that Mixer didn't gain traction because it's always lovely to have more than one horse in the race, you know, and Mm. have alternatives. But yeah, I mean, I started Twitch a year ago and I didn't really even consider Mixer, which is a shame because it would have been nice to see it grow. But yeah, it just didn't really. Yeah. Is this a question of like quality or, or the just community wasn't there or both? I, th- I like, think was it actually good? I think there's community. I think there's potential growth as well. Everyone knows that Mixer's numbers aren't huge compared to Twitch. Um, Twitch is a bigger platform, so people are going to see there are more people on Twitch, there are more creators on Twitch. I might go to Twitch because I feel like that's maybe where the community is already based. There are already mm-hmm. um, very successful streaming communities. Uh, a lot of the people who are massive on Mixer or were past tense. Um, were grown on Twitch and then moved as well. So they don't really have that many examples of their sort of like own um, massive uh, content creators. Um, yeah, I think I think it was just Twitch was there. It's always been there. Um, and it's, it's, it's just so huge and it's so successful. And I don't know. I, I also think, oh, by the way, like as, as we are talking, there are, mixer streamers on live right now crying wow because they don't they didn't know um which is which is really horrible this this is they didn't give them a heads up that's i feel bad for making jokes now because that must be really if they've built large communities and they've been putting that much effort in they must be like horribly like upset hopefully they will all find a home i'm I'm, I'm hoping well well, uh at the moment, I think Facebook is trying to, I, I think the big content creators, the ones that were uh, locked in for multiple year contracts, have been released of those contracts, apparently, allegedly. Um, and there are some rumors going around that uh, Ninja, for example, is being offered something like 10 mil right now. Um, he is mm. thinking about it right now as we say these. Uh, Sorry, thinking about what? To, um, uh, he's thinking again. about it on air? Oh. Like, is no, he's, on air? He's, he's, he's not on air. He made a tweet uh, just now, I think, saying something like, I have a lot to think about. Um, a lot and I will of be thinking about my yeah. plans as I, as I make my decision. Wow. So obviously Facebook and Twitch are currently battling it out to see who can offer Ninja more money. Um, but yeah, basically, a bit of a mess. Everyone knew that Mixer wasn't ever going to be the giant that Twitch is, but I think there were a lot of allegations going around this last weekend that really, like, seem like they were the nail in the coffin for the for the um for the platform yeah i hope a lot of people can pop back over to to twitch or something and that the communities can can come with them because um facebook gaming not so much but twitch is a is a household name and it's seen a massive Mm -hmm. explosion of new streamers and new viewers as everyone is kind of you know working from home and stuff like that and um hopefully a lot of those mix of people their communities will come with them because like yeah. for all of you know the fact that some of this is um yeah it's a 
it's I hope those communities can come with those people and, and come over yeah. to Twitch or wherever they want to be because yeah for some of the smaller guys that haven't had the the sponsorships and the money behind them mm-hmm. if they just found out by a news article and they had no heads up that must yeah, be devastating I, I yeah I regret my former like flippant remarks now that's um that's not very that's not very nice as a business move of those guys well mixer has always been the butt of jokes when it comes to live streaming it's every it's jokes about there are so many people watching it uh this event on youtube on facebook on twitch and there are three on mixer you know it's always (laughs) been that joke there's always been that sort of laughing at how small mixer is compared to the money it's that was obviously being pumped into it um and it is it is a shame it was nice at least i think people having the option thinking Mm -hmm. i want to live stream where should i do it where should i do it and now it will seem like there's only facebook gaming or there's uh twitch and a lot of people don't really like facebook anymore for various reasons no especially Um, the younger crowd aren't really on facebook at all gen z the zoomers aren't really attracted (laughs) to facebook Mm -hmm. (laughs) as, as a platform um, and so then it sort of feels like Twitch is the only place to go. And as uh, like I, I stream on Twitch, I, I, I really enjoy streaming on Twitch. Um, but if something happens to it, and I don't know what would, but if, if there was any real problem with it, um, it'd be sort of difficult to know where to go after that. Yeah, well, this is all about the community. So if mm-hmm. I'm sure that those those mixer guys and the the communities they have there that will be quite easy for them to hopefully move over to, to Twitch without losing too much of what they've mm-hmm. built up. Um, because they, I think the thing about Twitch is that it's also pretty welcoming to new streamers for a yeah. lot of it. And the communities are pretty strong. So mm-hmm. I think we should just have a mix of people welcome, come join kind of movement to, uh, to, to get yeah. those people over to, to yeah to hopefully not feel completely like they're starting over after mm. what must be yeah quite a shock yeah yeah and i think from like you know seeing the consoles where you see what happens when you do have competition uh kind of it it forces you know the companies to think and to not rest on their on their laurels and it, it yeah it benefits the the communities enjoy whatever the product or service is so it's a shame from that perspective also to have less choice less uh i guess opposition to that phrase mm-hmm. to to twitch so yeah that sounds like a, a shame mm. yeah maybe it'll be a a wake-up call to, to someone like youtube who has a mm. live streaming capability but it's just a kind of basic bolt-on to what they actually do yeah maybe yeah. they'll see a niche where maybe they want to get all the mixer guys over to them and maybe they'll upgrade their live streaming capabilities because yeah. it would make sense for youtube to be the other horse in that race yeah mm. so on yeah on more than one occasion we are asking google to do better um so <laughs> wake up um okay so kind of i guess back to the uh the games just a, a note to mention with the delay of cyberpunk 2077 to november uh is one particularly looking for uh looking up for cyberpunk i am um so i'm one but uh what do you think about the delay and what do you think about like me when i when i saw it i didn't i don't mind like you know, it's been delayed before uh there are enough games that i haven't played that i can you know is, is not affected i was interested to see the reaction uh, from people who have 
a, a weird sense of entitlement that the game should come on on their oh, schedule God. i don't know if i'm looking at it the wrong way but yeah w- what do you think about it yeah, if delay? it came out broken they'd be so angry i'd rather it was delayed yeah. especially a game i mean we've waited approximately 307 years for this game already yeah. i remember the first ever trailer i've been waiting since the first ever teaser trailer they, november's not that long if, it, if that's what it takes to give me a game that's not full of bugs i'll just wait the extra time and especially now with everything going on in the world yeah. i'm expecting delays and it's i think i for me it's absolutely fine yeah no, that's what i thought have, have you played uh deus ex there on the pc bex yep oh garrett the original yeah okay because yeah. that when when i i felt like uh day x vibes and that's one of my favorite games uh ever so yeah i'm i'm ready for cyberpunk but like you say i, I feel it, it's kind of you you're you're damned if you do damned if you don't because like you say if they bring it out with bugs people people are always ready to complain about something uh, and i feel yeah just need to people just need to take a step back put it in perspective uh the other games in in you know the two months that it's been delayed more and if you get a better game for it then that can only really be a a good thing so uh yeah i just wanted to mention that mm. um yeah another thing that I'm very interested in, and and particularly for Imogen and uh, and Gary, because you are you're people that have to kind of cover this. And again, in your case, you've been to E3, um, and with E3 being no more, or well, this year, and in its place, we have this uh, Jeff Keighley led Summer Games Fest, which is unlike E3, which is kind of a single point of focus for the games industry, the Summer Game Fest is a spread out over like four months. I think it's going to end in uh, August uh, with a series of online events. Uh, so what do you think about this new format? Has it has it worked for you or is it is it working because we're still in it? But is it working? Uh, how do you compare it to something like E3 uh, from your perspectives? Yeah, um, I think it's great. Like, I think... Um... It's a great idea from Jeff Keighley um, because I know that he himself was a little frustrated with the direction of E3 in recent times. Because he did step down from Uh, E3 or or step away just before they cancelled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's very smart of him to do because I'm pretty sure a lot of these companies were going to have some sort of stream anyway since E3 isn't here. So just the fact that he's kind of tied it all together into, you know, one kind of um, label, I think that's very smart. And um, it kind of um, it kind of shows that you don't always need to wait for E3 to, to kind of get these big spectacle uh, announcements. Um, and, you know, we, we can kind of just get them at uh, the publisher's leisure, basically. Um, so... Um, I'm kind of liking it. I'm liking all the different streams and stuff. It's a lot more convenient. Obviously, there's no there's no experience like E3 because um, being there physically is amazing, especially if you really love this business. Um, there's nothing like actually being there, but the companies actually get to save money and they also don't have to kind of, um, they don't have to rush to get things out at, you know, a specific time. Like they can kind of uh, have the, the freedom and um to to do things as they can um so it gives the publishers a lot of uh a lot of control mm. i guess and and that's a positive in itself um yeah but what do you think imogen 
Well, I, I, I completely agree. I think there's, uh, I think everyone's going towards the Nintendo Direct um, version of things where you sort of have, you take your time to develop whatever you're developing and then you say, oh, by the way, in two days we have this announcement, right? And that has worked really well for Nintendo. You see it trending every time that anyone talks about Nintendo Direct. It's it's coming, it's coming. And then something they'll have something to show in their own time. And I really like that. However, I think some of gaming is just, it's so massive. And I think that it might also play against some of the publishers. So like EA Play was um, pretty, uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be frank. For me, it was uh, pretty disappointing. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I think I, I think for a lot of people it was quite disappointing, especially when people were waiting for Dragon Age. It's sort of just been something that people have been waiting for, and they sh- got shown like basically two screenshots, and that was it. And then there was the Squadrons thing, which was which was really good, but no one was really waiting for it. No one was really hyped about it. So so EA Play um, meant that I think with an EA uh, with an E three format, you could have EA Play. People could have fallen asleep in the chat done all sort of their like um talking about how it was a disappointment and then move on immediately to something else and pull that um pull that shade i guess away from ea and move on to the next thing and right now everyone's just still talking about how much of a disappointment ea play was and so yeah, I they think- didn't even talk about next gen games did yeah they? Th- there was no next gen there was no- there was nothing shiny or new except from sort of squadrons um, and I think that's sort of, I, I think that's one of the um, edges of the sword uh, that, that um, this sort of time period has, because it didn't seem like EA was ready to show anything. And it was still expected that they were going to have a big E3 type thing. Um, so I think that if we all just got rid of the idea of E3 altogether, and, but still did the video thing, I think a lot of publishers would, would benefit altogether from it. And it would be a shame to get rid of E3, but I think that um if uh, now that um now that everyone has had the example of what it could be like without it i don't know if it'll come back ever as strongly as it used to be yeah another thing i'll say also is um with like because with we're in a year where new consoles are coming out as well so mm-hmm. like the expectations for each of these streams are like huge yeah. and the ea one definitely wasn't that great like i agree but i feel like now every every single um stream is going to be judged by the fact that we're in a new console year yeah. and i think people are going to be like hungry for new news and information or just yeah. to get just to get a look at you know something yeah. that looks um like it has next gen graphics so mm. uh, the expectations are very high and that might not be good for certain publishers who are going to hold a stream yeah and last year there was I remember people discussing like, oh, well, X was a little bit disappointing, but next year's a console year. And it was always like 2019 was the constant turnover of, it's okay, that was disappointing because next year is the big year. Next year is when we're going to see it all. Next year is when I expect something. And, you know, like everyone, everyone sort of knows that a console year is massive. If you don't have something to show in a console year, it is considered, you know, sort of falling flat on its face. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, because as I've been watching, I haven't watched everything in uh, in a Summer Games Fest, uh, but I kind of 
got to like the whole live stream thing. So I'm quite, even though I haven't been to E3, I'm quite big on like physical mm-hmm. meetings and, and all that. But the one thing I will say for E3 that I'm not sure about with this like online um, sort of live stream format is with E3, for me, it was the one time in a year where I saw games being covered in the mainstream. Uh, and I saw people who mm. don't normally take notice of games take notice of games. Uh, and if, if you know, video games are going to continue to reach out to bring in new people, I feel there has to be some of that. And I'm not sure if the Summer Games Fest is, is a lot of the industry talking to itself. And I, I could be mm. completely wrong, but I, I'm wondering how many people who aren't already into games are tuning in to watch these, these live streams. Maybe outside of the Sony, because we all know, you know, you can go to the average person in, in the street and they'll know about, you know, PlayStation as a as a brand. But I, I wonder, uh, like, on massive people who aren't already into games are taking mm. much notice of these streams. I, I think what's an interesting um, a point that was sort of being discussed at the moment in regards to The Last of Us Part 2, um, for example, it's one of the biggest, uh, I think it's the biggest selling uh, game of the PlayStation 4 generation. Yeah, right? I saw that, yeah. Something, something along those lines. And it was a reminder, although there was this massive amount of discord online in quite the intense gaming sphere, like being inside the gaming sphere, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of people outside of the gaming sphere still consuming games and just they go into or they would go into a shop picking up a game that they go oh yeah i played the first one of this years ago let me play this and walking away and that is as much as they engage with games and i think that uh, i i i i need to like pinch myself and remember frequently that although i am inside the game sphere not everyone who plays games is and so when it comes to E3, I think there are a lot of people that might buy games on the regular who don't even know E3 exists, you know, um, and uh, and they aren't aware of anything or that the way, the way they become aware of it is just, you know, by Facebook posts that um, IGN posts that's liked by their friends or they're tagged by one of their friends. Like, hey, mate, the next COD, look at this. This is what we're expecting, you know. Hmm. Um, and so although I think that E3 was a good thing for, you know, the wider gaming sphere um and it's a good place to sort of compile a lot of information and some of the you know some of the big um big media forums outside of games sort of get their teeth into it i think there's also uh it, it, it's important to remember that uh, not e3 isn't everything to a lot of gamers because they don't even know it exists but also now that we've had um the virus and everyone was stuck inside and games became big again I think in the future, I think massive media outlets are going to be spending more time um, paying attention to games now they've seen the success they can have, even just talking about them or streaming them rather than live sports, for example. Yeah, actually, that's a fair one. I think we are in this period where games have been brought to the forefront. And it almost feels weird to say because gaming, you know, is one of the biggest uh, industries. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's already big but yeah to a large section of the population is still that kind of you know thing that the kids do or uh, is not mm-hmm. a serious thing so yeah i think it's been brought to attention that there are actual benefits to games particularly at a time when you know people are spending more time at home need a way to engage not just kids but you know people of uh, of all ages so um i mean do do people think that we're still going to have physical 
events uh, launches this year? I, I do. I think um, physical events will still be around, uh, particularly ones like uh, PAX and Comic-Con and things like that, mm -hmm. where it's more of a community experience. Um, but I also think that in the future, um, esports is going to kind of play a big part in gaming events because um, esports is always growing and I feel like a lot of emphasis is going to go towards esports um, eventually, like in the future and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, so I yeah. think those are going to become like huge. Yeah, I think a lot of people have rediscovered gaming in the last few months and they found it as a way to connect with their friends or with their their kids or their parents or whatever it is and a lot of people have suddenly remembered how fun it was or discovered it for the first time or like the amount of people that are now are into gaming because of things like animal crossing as well you know it's like all these new audiences are being drawn in and i'm certainly seeing on twitch a absolute ton of viewers and people coming in that have just made a twitch account that week and mm. it is i don't know how many of those people will stick when when things go back to normal but we've definitely seen an influx and a lot of more people discovering a love for this as as even if it is just as an occasional casual hobby and um i hope we go back to having those kind of big events whether they'll be in exactly the same format or not i don't know but definitely for the community aspects um i'm looking forward to them being back and i think they will continue but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out yeah it will be i'm definitely one of those people who've uh, just recently got account uh, i think this period is uh you know we have our own gamepad event which up until now has been a purely uh, physical uh, and it's been a time where we've been forced to essentially move online but which i was uh, not resistant but just wary i didn't quite understand how we take you know an event that had been made for meeting in the real world and building community that way online um but i think we've found something we can uh build on and what i've learned is that there are, there are pros and cons so there are what i've seen with the summer games fest is that it's opened up to more people like the the new releases in the games where not everyone can go to e3 um and same you know i hope with our event it kind of opens up to new people that you know can't come to whatever part of london that we're in and and take part in this event so i think there's a there's a complementary thing that can happen between the physical and online events and i'm yeah really interested to see how they develop further um so yeah, um, I think one of the last things that I wanted to uh, touch on, you know, speaking of the times we live in, um, a lot of uh, kind of protests uh, happening around uh, around the world, um, sort of the whole uh, like Black Lives Matter thing, and not to sort of turn this into any kind of political discussion, but just off the off the back of that, we've seen a lot of responses from different industries and the video games industry being one of them, and uh, I, I saw. You know, off, from the protest, the, off the back of it, a lot of responses from companies launching different initiatives to help widen the the, the diversity of uh, intake into the game's making. So the making uh, side of things. What what did you all think about the response from the companies and any particular uh, initiative that was launched stand out to you and I guess to a wider point, because I 
recently looked at the, in the UK, they did a video game census and they looked at sort of a lot of the diversity statistics and uh, they weren't good, uh, to be honest. Uh, so obviously there's still a lot that needs to be done. So yeah, what did you all think about the response from the video games industry and what do you think needs to be done to increase, uh, improve the diversity in video games? I thought I'd end with a big, broad <laughs> question. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, how do we how do we solve diversity and, and systematic racism in video games? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I think uh, starting off with the response, I think that a lot of it was quite strong. A lot of uh, I think that a lot of the statements that people made were pretty good on the whole. However, um, I think I think what sums it up best was Riot. I, one of the Riot executives recently left because he made quite a quite a statement on uh, George Floyd on his private Facebook mm. and immediately had to leave um, or immediately was basically uh, pushed out or he, he retired suddenly. Right. Um, right. Um, and I think that is, I think that's really, it really sums up um, a lot of the gaming sphere. There's a lot of words and people can put out initiatives. And I do believe that there are employees or there, are, there's a whole, um, section of the gaming sphere that really is pushing for like um an end to systematic racism and um and you know intelligently talking about games and how they can end toxicity and sort of that but there are uh, there are always going to be those few people that ruin it for everyone um i i say always be i hope that i hope that ends uh, like i sincerely do um, but it is it is a it's sort of a difficult position with gaming because it's so new and it has some of the oldest issues really ingrained into the communities and um, there's such anonymity um, within gaming when you're talking to someone over a mic and you can tell that their accent may be from a place that you have a slur for, for example, um, that it, it, it gets really murky and really difficult and it's really on a lot of games companies to really take action. Um, but taking action can also mean that they get, you know, they wade into waters they don't want to wade into, you know? Yeah. And that's a tricky thing. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it, it's good to see, um, I guess a response and acknowledgement of what's happening and particular video games and acknowledgement of the, what is the lack of diversity in the people who make the games and, the way I kind of look at it, um, I feel so for me, like games, you're you're telling stories, you know, a different form of the stories. Mm -hmm. And if you have the same people telling the same stories, like that will quickly run or eventually run dry. Maybe not quickly. You can obviously go a few <laughs> decades uh, with that, but um, <laughs> eventually it will run dry. And when you see people complaining about, oh, we've seen this game and we've seen this type of character before and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think a big reason of that is because you've got the same people making the same games. You've also got sort of the the video games industry that kind of, you know, goes to less, you know, the more money you're spending, the less risk you take because you're appealing to the sort of the, the masses and there's that issue. But in terms of the diversity, I think it is a positive thing to bring in new perspectives uh, and new yeah. stories and new ways of using the mechanics to tell these stories in games. So I just hope that it's not a case of um, initiatives for the moment and there are some real like long-term efforts made to bring sort of new people and make it to get people who like I because I work with young people and 
uh, I talk to young people who are into like comics and games and they're not even even aware that you can have uh, a game, a career in games, like an actual career in games mm-hmm. or their parents are. So I feel there's a whole batch of people mm-hmm. who are still, you know, being left out and a lot of them could, you know, could be have the next, you know, idea for a franchise. So if gaming's like serious about increasing the diversity to make better games, because that's what we all want, they, mm-hmm. yeah, they can kind of make this uh, an actual sustain for it to yeah just bring in new people so i hope that's what happens yeah i think it would be nice if as a business they didn't look at bringing in anyone as a a financial risk and they look at it having a bigger pool of talent to source people from and i talk to so many up-and-coming people in the indie comic book and the indie game development scenes and there is a massive diversity in in the indie scenes and what they're making is is really awesome and one of the reasons i started gravitating a lot towards a lot of indie stuff was because it gave me suddenly this massively huge range of different types and styles of games and the indie scene has been growing we have entire events in london um like resd and stuff which is pretty much all just indie games and those events are packed so there, there is definitely the possibility if you put those, those different, those different perspectives, those different talents onto bigger titles and bigger things, that, and put them in front of more people, you'd find that actually, you know, maybe we don't just need to be producing the same kind of games. Um, much as battle royale games are fun, you sort of started to see the same kind of things taking over a little bit with a lot of the AAA titles and. Mm. There's such a, an untapped pool of talent and hopefully they'll, you know, because they obviously think in, in dollar signs, hopefully they're going to start looking and saying, actually, we can do something that's not just good for the world, but it also might make us a ton of money, which is, you know, which is win-win. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's hope that uh, that can happen. Um, so I'm going to uh, end on a quick uh, or end this segment on a quick take and this question I was interested in but also came in from uh, I'm going to try not to butcher this name but uh, Nabalim uh, Gina did I get that right? I'm going to assume I got that right uh, on Instagram um, and it, It's Nabalim I think I think it's, her, it's a mix of her first name and her last name Okay there we go so I, just, <laughs> I, I often butcher names I just got to double check Um <laughs> But uh, actually, this is a question of what are, so I'm kind of merging questions here, but what are you most looking forward to uh, in next gen? Um, is it a particular game, a franchise or a feature? What, what are you most looking, we'll just go around a room, a uh, virtual room, starting with Imogen. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, probably, uh, probably just a variety of new stories, I think. Uh, with a new gen comes a lot of new ideas. Developers thinking, I think the game that I dreamed of, this many years ago is now possible let me give it a go so yeah i, okay. I think just a variety of new stories maybe some big advance in um even with uh with unreal engine 5 um a lot of new stories a lot of new indie developers coming in the game and showing off a little bit yeah i like that okay um gary what are you most looking forward to um well, two things that like, first of all, I kind of want to see how far they can um, push the boundaries of like AI. So like, you know, NPCs and characters in games and that sort of thing. Like, cause I, I imagine like they can um, add a whole new layer of logic to, to games now where 
um, characters are doing um, all kinds of uh, like basically thinking for themselves, like and acting more like real people instead of you know pre-programmed models or whatever. So I want to see like how far they push the limits with that, and also I want to see uh, more VR stuff um, and see if you know because I'm guessing Sony will have some PlayStation VR for the PS5. So That's a good I want to see if they take that it. to a next level. Okay. Yeah, I did mention that in the stream. So yeah, that would be interesting to see. Uh, let me not forget Bex this time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you most looking forward to? I um, was an early adopter of VR and I love the idea of seeing what the new power that they're going to have available to them allows them to make with different immersive experiences and different ways of navigating games and i think that for me is going to be the biggest kind of leap forward that that for me is kind of like when we went from pixels and 2d to suddenly having polygons and 3d and for me it's just been getting um more and more complicated graphic wise and more beautiful but it wasn't a massive leap until I got hold of an Oculus and then I was inside the game and you start playing with like the art programs and stuff like that. So I think for me, what I'd like to see is more immersion and variety in the way we are interactive with the game environments. Yeah, no, I, and I think I'd say uh, along similar lines, I'm, I'm interested to see, so I, I touched on it earlier about the SSD and what that means for the design of games. I'm interested to see how the next generation of games are, uh, take a leap forward not just really, because um, I think t to a certain point, and you know, I'm willing to be proven wrong in like 50 years when uh, it's indistinguishable from real life, but I think there's diminishing returns on just bumping up the graphics. And I'm interested to see how they can change the way we interact with games, whether it's VR, whether it's, you know, it mean no loading means you can just go to different worlds in an instant. Um, yeah, I want to see a non-graphical leap forward in the design uh, of games and what that means for storytelling because I'm always interested in that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, let us know what you think. Uh, as always, you can send us your feedback um, to feedback at mymatter.com. Um, yeah, are you PC, Xbox, PlayStation? Uh, are you still rooting for Stadia? Let us know. If you're still rooting for Stadia, if you have a Stadia, let us know just so we know you're out there. Um, we don't completely forget you. Um, but yeah, so we're going to find out more about what our guests have been up to. Uh, so this is the section where we just get to know, you know, some of the projects that uh, you're all working on. Uh, so if, you know, or just shout out your social media um, or any interesting articles that you may have uh, written. Uh, so I'm going to reverse the order and we're going to go with Bex first. Oh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Dun, I know, dun, I'm keeping dun. people on their toes. Yeah, I thought you were just going to forget me again. I, thought, <laughs> you know, I was just ready to go and just like have, you know, just, one just single gothic. Off. You know, if I was younger, it would be emo, but I'm not. So it's a gothic tier. Uh, <laughs> rather than the eyeliner I was putting on earlier. And um, <laughs> yeah, so generally, I mean, I've just gone um, full time on Twitch as well as doing the YouTube stuff. And um, I can be found as Trista Bytes, spelled B-Y-T-E-S, over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram twitch and and the youtubes but i'm looking to do um just do more stuff with playing the indie games live um on the stream and just like helping to showcase more as i've been doing on the, the youtube channel for years trying to showcase games that people might not ever have heard otherwise i like mixing that in with the other retro content and um 
obviously you know the terrifying alien isolation streams but yeah i'm looking to do some more stuff and maybe start doing some interviews with indie developers and um, comic creators and kind of trying to bring a book more of that maybe over onto onto what i'm doing on on twitch now i'm now i'm doing it so much more often and uh just seeing what i can do to help um you know elevate those voices with you know whatever little bit of power i have to um mm help share some of the awesome games that, that are out there especially without the events that are normally the only place that people find them yes so um yeah no it's good to uh that someone is doing that because like you say without events um it's just well so people are gonna find that um so gary uh let us know where people can find you and what you are to. uh so yeah you can find me at, at gary swaby on twitter or uh, my personal website garyaswaby.com and um, I'm always on multiple projects because I'm a freelancer. Um, so I'm doing many things. I'm writing a book at the moment. Um, and I'm also actually working on um, an audio documentary for Audible. And um, this this is actually going to be about the life of um, the first um, or one of the first uh, black video game engineers called Jerry Lawson. And um, he actually created the, the first console that had cartridges. So like you could take the game in and out. So uh, we're actually doing like a, a short mini series um, on, on his life, basically, and how he got into the video game industry and um, what his, his, uh, his whole process was in creating the console. Okay. That sounds really interesting. Uh, Imogen, uh, how about well, yeah, yourself? That sounds super interesting. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you can find me at Imo Mella on, um, on Twitter. Um, I also stream regularly now on Twitch um, as Mento, M zero R M E N T O. Um, yeah, at the moment I am sort of uh, working with PC Games N, um, but I also at the moment I'm publishing a lot of loadout, which is the sister site to PC Games N. Um, I have no real articles to uh, <laughs> to promote, um, but yeah, just check out my work there. Check out my work, and Eurogamer, um, to read more of my video game opinions. Lord knows that we need just more video game opinions in this world. <laughs> more, more, and more. We just, we just need, we need all the video game opinions. <laughs> Uh, I agree. Um, Cool. Yeah, we'll sort of link to uh, you and uh, you all in the show notes. Uh, So we're going to wrap up with a couple listener questions now. So I'm going to shoot over two questions. The first one is from Grail12013 on Twitter, uh, who sort of touched on the Nintendo aspect of this, but uh, he says with... Uh, or they say, not assume, but with both Microsoft and Sony offering physical and digital-only SKUs out of the gate, which version will have the fastest uptake? Uh, and he also said, do you feel, do you see them having an impact on the Nintendo Switch? Um, so does anyone want to depend on which they think will have the fastest uptake? So by that, does he mean, like, which one will sell uh, mm-hmm. the fastest? Or I'm assuming it's which ones will sell, yeah, the fastest. Um... I, I still think PlayStation is going to sell the most just because they have such a diverse library of games. Um, 
And this is just a personal critique, but with Microsoft, I feel like it's always the same kind of games like Halo, Gears. Um, Forza is actually great, but um, but yeah, I just, I just feel like it's always kind of the same thing. Whereas Sony, there's like a huge variety of different games, and I think that's what attracts people the most. Um, so I think Sony will still sell pretty well. I mean, I, I agree. Um, a little bit of bias, but yeah. I also think that if, if, it, if, it, is, if it is the physical uh, disc edition, I think that will still do pretty well compared to Microsoft as well. I think, I think people will be wanting a physical edition uh, disc, um, PlayStation 5. But yeah, I, I agree. PlayStation 5 will be... Uh, at first, at first, the winner. Who knows? Um, long term. Yeah, and and with with regards to like the digital versus physical uh, media, I think um, I think the Blu-ray versions of the consoles are going to sell the most at first. But I think maybe later in the generation, yeah, the digital only ones will pick up. Well, well depend, depends depends on the price point. I think depends on the price point. Depends on how much more expensive it is. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I like digital. Yeah. I like I like having the physical one, not just the digital ones. And I think as well, depending on how much money you have to hand, I can see people very, very quickly buying the PlayStation because they have to play whichever title it is that they are massively hyped about. And it's only on PlayStation and they have to have it on release day. Whereas um, I can see that there's a lot of people that are going to buy things slightly later that possibly buy a lot of games secondhand and share games with their mates and stuff like that that are going to want to definitely have a, a version on physical media. And a lot of those people that do want to have that game on release day, they want the limited edition with the statue and the discs and they want to get the game signed by people. And I mm-hmm. think there's always going to be a hunger for those physical editions of things and i think that for myself i definitely want to have one that had that as an option still okay yeah i tend to agree i i think to a certain extent from a strictly from a physical console box perspective i wonder if uh, microsoft will kind of split between the pc as well as if i uh, like imogen mentioned i think if i know i can get the game on my pc do I is there much urgency to get uh the console um so from a console perspective I think Sony could have faster uptake but that's not to say that the strategy for Microsoft as a company won't actually yeah we uh, might see one with massive well peaks them, every though. time a new um, top title is released whereas with Microsoft going a bit more for the service model we might just see a slow but steady kind of growth yeah exactly um and uh last question is uh touches on mobile games so from uh kimiko underscore 22x what do you think about the mobile phone games uh as they're becoming more popular um so obviously we know like you know you can just play them anywhere apple have entered that uh you know uh do you think that has an impact on any of the sort of next-gen consoles going into uh this new uh, this new era i'd like to see complementary games coming out on mobile i think that would be cool if we had stuff that tied all these things together and i'd like mm. to see there being a bit less stigma on the mobile games because they're bringing tons of people into gaming yeah. and they're awesome for playing like i was saying you know on the the retro game streaming service i use that also works on mobile and um 
I I'd like to see it just you know it's just different it isn't obviously going to compete with the, the major console releases but I want to see mobile games kind of being being treated like any other games and um yeah I think it's just a very very easy entry point for loads of new people and I'd like to see just more things tying into to some of the big franchises I guess rather than just being a generic game with a license on it on mobile and I think there's a lot of possibility for that market to because mm. it's huge and there's a lot of possibility for that market to kind of just merge in I guess you know um but just doing something slightly different Makes sense. I mean, yeah, I, this is one of the things in terms of like, you know, we're talking about diversity and like you say, it brings in new people. And like, sometimes when I see the reaction to mobile games, uh, I think people have to remember mm-hmm. not every game is for you and not every experience is necessarily for you. And it, it can still exist. And this is a way, you know, I'm not particularly a mobile um, uh, gamer, but I appreciate what it can do to bring in people who might not consider themselves quote unquote gamers to find that route in, um, whether it's through mobile games and they stay there or they go, you know, I'm going to get switched now because I kind of like this thing. I'm going to go and get a PlayStation. I think, yeah, yeah. Just I think if we have less of the, we see so many cash grabbing kind of stuff happening in the mobile games where they're all like in-app purchase stuff. We need, if that can yeah, go away a bit, especially yeah. since they've been so many issues where they're not checking the age of the people who's like playing the games and like they think they're buying pretend coins, you know? I think if we yeah. can get rid of some of that stigma, then what's the difference between mobile gaming and a Game Boy? You know, I, I would love to see it just become as accepted in the community as as you know playing on the uh the big home systems because you know think thing you know it's just a better version of a game gear isn't it at the end of the day and it's one everyone has in their pocket so <laughs> it's the easiest way to get games to the widest possible audience yeah i think i think something that took a, a great step in the right direction was apple arcade um or is apple arcade not past tense um because that was uh really really good way to get people to pay a small subscription for quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of games i think that i think the big thing with um with mobile that they can't compete with currently are sort of you know uh, one internet connectivity sort of in the wild like on your like if you're just waiting if if you're on a bus playing a game if it's you're not going to play pubg mobile really as you do that stuff like that um which is a lot of where the uh, big gaming booms are um, so I think that I think that depends on internet connectivity um, and that improving across the board. And I also think, um, uh, w- w- which might seem weird, is uh, battery life because um, mobile isn't just a platform for gaming. It's also seen as a, oh, you really need your phone on you. You need your phone on you at all times to be able to contact people, to message people, to do 101 other things. And I think once... Um, once uh, battery life for um, mobile becomes really really good or sort of there are more integrated charging points into life generally i think that's when there'll be even a bigger boom in um in uh mobile gaming but i don't think currently i, I think everyone recognizes there is a, there's an audience for mobile gaming and there's an audience for mobile gaming and i don't think those two interlap and i think you can have those two separate okay yeah, the yeah, uh, actually, life is uh, definitely um, important. Um, because 
been with mobile gaming so yeah uh, thank you for those questions and uh, as ever you can always send your questions to us at feedback at mymatter.com or on social media um, at mymatter on twitter and at mymattertees on instagram uh, so we have come to the end of a really cool discussion uh, about the video games industry. It's always good to have these just like in-depth discussion on things that are happening around. So thank you uh, to our guests, Imogen, Bex and uh, Gary for, uh, for joining us. Yeah, it's been good fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, no, it's always good to have you guys uh, on or Imogen for the first time. And I'm sure we have <laughs> you back on uh, again. Uh, so if you have enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, uh, then you can subscribe to us and make sure you don't miss any episodes that are on their way. Um, you can also give us a uh, review and a rating, uh, which just helps us reach new listeners and fans of story and video game discussions. Um, we talk a lot about video games, but we also make stories. We make and you can check that out including our latest hotline volume one at mymatter.com forward slash manga and we do have a video game event coming up on the 27th i think this episode will be up before the 27th just before so if you're listening to this before you can check that out at gamepad.ents if you're listening to it after you can still out gamepad.events because after the event we will be having a uh we're launching a discord server and we'll be doing other online activities uh, and events in future so you can check that out there uh, in general just stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creator interviews video game discussions like this and deep dives into stories across pop culture our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and you can check out the website mymatter.com dot com forward slash story x story until next time stay tuned and stay safe because we're not with this just yet take care everyone mm-hmm.